Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, okay, guys, and three, Now here's your two, host, Valerie Kirkgaard. And one. Hey, I am your host. I am here. We're barely here by the tip of our toes. This has been a week. Let me tell you, this has been a week. But I know that some of you out there have had a week as well. And uh, you're listening to Waking Up in America, our American Cafe Dynamic Radio Dialogues on, on life in America today and things that matter to us. And if if CW and I sound a little bit zappy from time to time, we have we have had we have had a week uh, with a lot of challenges in it and some success, and we haven't even had a chance to really enjoy the success yet. And um, what can I say? Being alive here is, is a interesting trip on this planet, and I just want to say, yesterday actually would have been my sister's um, 68th birthday, and Patty isn't with us anymore. So, Patty, dear, um, if you're watching and you're listening, um, just know that we love you and we miss you, and uh, Rick, God bless you. Um, I wonder if you're there with my sister, too. My sister died um, five years ago, and her sus- husband died like the following month. It's one of those situations where people are just so, so, um, really, you've heard the thing like, you're the better part of me. Those two were the most interesting people to watch. Rick was a um, a Green Beret, actually, and um, looked a lot like Elvis Presley, honest to goodness. Patty was always in love with Elvis. <laughs> actually had the, his Christmas album that um, Mom gave to me by mistake. I don't know how she managed that mistake because Patty would swoon over Elvis and then she ended up marrying a guy that looked just like Elvis. And Rick just was an incredible sweetheart, CW. Honestly, gosh, this Green Beret guy. And, uh, you know, that's interesting because Rick was Rick was in Vietnam, by the way, CW. And, you know, one of the things that, that he told me about was how a whole bunch of guys were killed and how he stayed alive was by staying under a pile of bodies for three days. And um, I guess the smell wasn't too nice, and I guess it was really hard, and they just they overlooked him, and that's how he made it through, and that's a heck of a story. So, you know, we were talking last week about our men and women in, in uniform and what they have to go through and the wars that they have to fight that aren't aren't good wars. They're, they're wars for greed and politics, so... Gosh, I didn't know I was going to end up there this morning. What do you think about all of this? Well, those, uh, throughout the wars, through uh, World War II, and I think even going back to World War One, there's reports of stories just like that. Uh, I mean, if you could call it a success story, uh, you know, the person had enough foresight to protect themselves. Unfortunately, it, they used the fallen men around him to do so. And uh, some people could say a lot of things, but uh, war never really solves a lot of problems. Uh, <laughs> people think it does, and it seems like our world, every time they get into a disagreement, they don't uh, have enough patience to see uh, see it through. Uh, they immediately want to go to, well, not almost immediately, but they want to go to uh, uh, fisticuffs for some reason. Mm. And who's got the most might? Now, I do believe uh, a good military provides good protection for your country. But maybe I'm just ignorant. But I fail 
you know, you know you... when you're talking, I'm I'm thinking in terms of the fact that war in its own way is it's a life and death situation and you see it and you have to deal with it and God bless you, Rick. I mean, this guy was amazing. He was like super strong and everything else too. But his his life was actually clear cut in a way. He he had an enemy that he was fighting, whether he believed in it or well, he did believe in it. He he was a great American soldier, and he had a military burial, and uh, you know he was just an amazing guy. And my sister and he were they used to play cards together and chatter like two little birds, and it always just to it used to amaze me because there was kind of this little hum they made together when they spent time together, and I don't know. I just think there that was real special. But in a sense, Americans today, CW, are fighting wars they can't even see and don't know, and and they're suffering from from the effects of things that are being done, quotes in their name, and yet they're not. You know, one of the things that pops into my mind is I know this seems like a big jump here, but I'm, I'm just that Americans are discovering that they're being fed glued meat. I don't know. Have you seen these glued together meat things that they're selling people and telling pink them? Pink slime. Pink slime? <laughs> That's Mike's voice. Maybe we should Blue. let people have a cup of Jason Winter tea before we slip into the pink slime. But I would much rather have a cup of Jason Winter's tea than pink slime or glued together meat. <laughs> well, the whole, and when he said pink slime, I went, ooh. Interesting thing is I actually um, did watch a video on it. It's really rather clever if it wasn't nasty and dangerous. They've taken the trimmings of meat and they've glued it together and they're using something like pig's blood enzymes or some darn thing. The problem is that these enzymes are actually bad for people. And the other problem is you can't tell the difference when you eat the stuff. I would have called it clever if it had been identified and was safe, you know. But it's just one more thing being slipped by us. So at least Rick, you know, he had he he had an enemy that he could see. Our enemy or the the institutions that are doing us the most harm um, kind of take a little ding into our checking account and they take a ding into our savings and they scrape something else off us at the gas pump and, you know, <laughs> we can't see it. And then at the end of the week, we're exhausted, you know. And we say, what happened this week? I'm not real sure what happened this week. God, I found out the Dodgers got sold for $2.15 billion. And I've been to Dodger Stadium. I go, well, somebody got rich off of that. That would have been Frank McCourt. So all of this stuff is swirling on and going around. It's, and frankly, I think, it, in a way, I almost think it would be easier to be a soldier. What do you think? Uh, would it be easier to be a soldier? Yeah, I know what I was. I I would technically know what I was fighting. I mean, I wouldn't realize that I was being used as a guinea pig for depleted uranium, and I wouldn't I wouldn't know that the drugs that they were testing on me that I had to have, be, have tested on me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily know what they were doing, but I would know that if I cleaned my rifle. And if I did X, Y, and Z, that I could, you know, get a good mark somewhere or feel like I was winning something. You know, the military principles, when when you join the military, and Mike could better speak to this than myself, you, there, there's a, a great deal of the values that are instilled in you, a great deal of principle, a great deal of training that's just not good for what you're there for, but good for life. 
And it is my belief, and you've heard me say this before, that every young man, and maybe I, I reserve the thought of, for women, join the military. Because that in itself can be an education. Now, a lot of people say, well, are you crazy? There's a war going yeah, Well, what if George Bush had been in the military? Maybe he wouldn't have been so willing to send people to their death. Well, I think people uh, like uh, Mr. Bush would have probably been a lot more intelligent and had a better understanding uh, of the military. Uh, at least I'm hoping he would, because everybody I've ever met uh, as a teenager that went in the military and came out, they were better men, much better men. I've seen. I, I went to school with punks. And years later, run into them, and I say, I'm, I'm thinking, I know you, but they look different. They became, <laughs> you know, I know what you're talking about. And uh, uh, I would like Mike's input because Mike is our hero here. <laughs> yes, he is. Semper Fi. Come on, Mike. Yeah, I, uh, yeah thanks, guys, for having me uh, jump in. I, uh, I agree with CW's assessment. I think it makes you from a boy to a man. I think nowadays that's kind of blurred what a boy and a man means. I mean, there's people my age that act like they're 13. I think it brings you up to be tough. I think it... uh, um, And responsible. Yeah, obviously that comes along with it. Uh, Learn how to think for yourself. That's another thing. How to uh, deal with uh, very difficult situations. I'm actually lucky. I was injured in the Gulf War. 21 years ago, I'm lucky to be alive, and you figure out ways to um, solve problems when everything hits the fan. Those are things that you'll learn. What kind of, well, we were talking about Eagle Scouts and stuff like that last week, too, so I see a theme emerging here, okay, and I, I, I have to say that there's some absolutely terrific values available, and if we understood the cost of war, if every single American understood the cost of war, I don't think we could let our leaders run people around the way they do because, um, you know, these executive orders and stuff and this declaring war without permission, this just doesn't wash here. And if people knew the horror, you know, when there was a draft, you had to make some choices about what you were going to do with your life. My son actually was in boot camp with the Navy, and I have to tell you it was pretty funny going down there to his boot camp graduation uh, they were giving us parents a little speech before they, our sons were marching by and stuff like that. First of all, I've never seen John march like that before. I didn't know he had it in him. Second of all, they said, clap your hands and tell them how high to jump, and they'll jump. Well, it worked at home for at least a couple of weeks anyway. Uh, you know, what a job that the Navy had taken on and what a job they had accomplished. And Israel, as I understand it, don't they CW? They actually draft. Don't men and women have to perform in the army and their men, national and army? Women. Men and women, and they have a very strong country uh, and a very, very extremely strong values. And this is one of the one of the reasons. Uh, one, just one, not the only. One of the reasons why that little patch of dirt we know as Israel is such a strong, strong force in the world, and they will remain so because of their their values. Huh. You know, I remember when the seven-day war happened, and I went, that's the way to do it. <laughs> no, no, mind you. I'm not you saying war is the way to do it. Oh, but I like seven days, okay? I thought that was good. 
But do you know why Israel announces that they're coming? They announce it's going to take this long. We're going to do this. We're coming. Here's what we're going to do. And we're going to be gone in, in five days or seven days. Do you know why they do that? No. Because they are a small country. They know they don't have a lot of manpower. So when they go, they're coming on a mission. And they are not turning back. They're there to accomplish a mission. They're going to accomplish it. They're going to get in and get out. Because they don't want their population wiped out. And they're also First, in charge, it sounds like, you know? Like they actually they, have a plan and they actually follow the plan. See, I don't think – maybe they do war for business. Maybe they do. But I really think we do war for business, and that's why we drag it on so long. Well, it's no secret that uh, uh, wars, conflicts uh, generate business uh, all over the world because uh, at that point the people in that conflict, military or otherwise, they need product. They need product to uh, uh, confront each other. They need product to survive. And so what happens? They turn to commerce. Commerce kicks in, starts making product, and... uh, uh, fulfilling the needs of those uh, people that are in confrontation. And so what does that do? That puts people to work. So the people that are working, they got they now have a job, and they still are living uh, at home but in, in their country, and they're somewhat complacent. All the while, we have men and women on the front line, for what reason I don't know, laying their lives down. This is the this is the balance that I can't quite grasp because I do believe it's important that uh, 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 as a teenager or a young person, young adult, we serve in the military. But at the same time, I don't think we should be serving because somebody higher up wants to cause a war because of some line in the sand or because. Somebody has more money than they do, or somebody has more oil than they do, uh, and they want that control, or they want to control the people. Those are the wrong reasons for conflict. Those are the wrong reasons for for going to war. Those threat to economic, to personal economics, is not a reason to go to war. And that's what it seems like we've done over the last several decades. This kind of stuff has got to stop. There's nothing wrong with having the military to protect yourself. The going to war over economic reasons that are beyond our imagination, that are mainly for personal gain for a few, is absolutely absurd and atrocious to me. Well, I'm going to just give the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts a plug again and say, look, these values are available here too. Um, not the same thing that, that Mike is talking about where you have to you know, defend your life and handle yourself in that kind of a situation. But those values that you guys were talking about, they're available in in scouting. And one of the values that's available is that we honor God. And I was going through the Internet um, this morning before the radio show, and they were talking about how our Christian symbols are disappearing from America. And it's like this outrageous attack on God is actually being successful and I'm unhappy about this. I'm very, very, very unhappy about this because I think our men and women would have honor and direction, and I think our children would have honor and direction if we had. This is a Christian country, and I, did you see the, what did I? Did you see the email I sent you this week about Missouri had it right? You know what Missouri did? No, I, I did Missouri, not see that. Yet. 
is mandatory in Missouri that if you want services, you actually have to request them in English, and there is no Spanish as a second choice or any other language as a second choice. It's a American God-fearing state, and if you want services, you actually have to apply in English and you have to write in English. Guess what? They don't have the same problems we have here in California. I thought it was a great idea. What do I you think, guys think they about? do that in Oklahoma, too. Yeah? What do you think about that, Yeah, they, I, I believe they have something like that in uh, Oklahoma. So anybody that's illegal, it doesn't matter if they're from Lithuania or not, they're not getting services. They're not going to benefit from being an American unless they go through the process of what I was saying before, which is about being a citizen, you know? learning what it is. I don't mind. I mean, America's made up of people from all over the world, but those people took on a certain training. I remember when my dad, who was from Canada, C.W. and Mike, he went to school because he wanted to become a U.S. citizen. And he learned all kinds of stuff, and then he earned the rights and privileges of being a U.S. citizen. So if people think I'm just against anybody that's illegal. That's correct. But it's not the illegality. It is the unwillingness to actually learn what America is about. We're we're a nation founded on God, for goodness sake. And you know what? Have you heard about some of the new coins don't even have in God we trust on them anymore? Do you know about that, Mike? Yeah, I've read something about that. It's kind of sad. No, just refuse them. Say, I'm not taking these coins. My country is founded on God. Our God, our our honors our things are being whittled away and we have our guys our guys and gals women are dying in war now too dying for very foggy cloudy not very terrific reasons and you know what i need a sip of my jason leonard tea in my wonderful bone china cup with a gold lip on it jason leonard tea calms me down a little bit but i don't want to get too calmed down for this because it's unacceptable anyway Tell them about Jason Winter T because we need a break. Okay, let's say, let's talk a little bit about Jason Winter T. Oh, you know about? Let's remind everybody. Uh, Sir Raymond, Sir Jason's son, wrote a book called What If, which is a, uh, uh, a kind of follow-up to his father's book, Killing Cancer, and it's written from Sir Raymond's eyes, living with his father, growing up with his father, going through what his father went through with uh, that debilitating disease and the efforts that uh, his father and him went through and the challenges they went through developing the Jason Winters team. And we're giving away, we here at Waking Up in America, you and I, Mike, we're giving away a free book. That, that book is giving away free. We have the opportunity. We've got... Uh, uh, I just got another two dozen in, so if you all want one, just write to uh, in the subject line, email Val in the subject line, but what if, and say, Val, I would like to have uh, the book and put your address on. We don't charge for postage or anything. We'll send it out to you, but make sure you include your complete address because many times we get an email and uh, wanting the book and nobody leaves their address. Val. <laughs> it's really funny, isn't it? I don't know. They think teleportation. I'm thinking they're thinking teleportation. You know, it must be that. And then Val at wakingupinamerica.com. This 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 tea, besides being elegant, and I love I love elegance. 
of astaxanthin elegan. It's it's a way of boosting your immune system so that you can be smarter and handle all this garbage that's going around. Also, what you want to know is that what would really be good with this is um, a, a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! We have two hundred <laughs> cases of Girl Scouts cookies. We have Samoas and Savannah Smiles and Berry Munches and Tagalongs and Dosi Dose and Dulce de Leche and Thin Mints and Trefoils. So um, here's something that would be really cool if you would do this for us. We want to put together a campaign for scouting because we really think that's a, um, a really powerful way of, of training our youth. And we've got these Girl Scout cookies here, and people have been asking us how they could contribute to Waking Up in America. We went through a fundraising crisis this last week that has got me with a few more gray hairs on, and here we are happily smiling here. Um, but if you were to send along $10 to um, Al Kirkard at P.O. Box 18, um, we would consider that a contribution, and that P.O. Box 813 is, I said that, came out kind of funny. P.O. Box 813, Topanga, California, 90290, and put Val Kirkgaard on it with a $10 bill in it. Um, I'll send you a box of you can pick any kind of Girl Scout cookies that you want, and you can write it off as a taxable, contrib- as a, you know, a creditable contribution to um, our radio show, and you'd get a box of Girl Scout cookies, and You'd, we'd read your name on the air and thank you for your contribution. And if you felt like contributing more, uh, we'd really accept that because CW and I produced this program ourselves, and I've been doing it since 1987. And uh, from time to time, people do help out. So you can call this part of our annual fundraising drive, and these Girl Scout cookies are dangerous. And you have to be careful. Don't buy too many because that could be a problem. But they definitely go with Sir Jason Winter Tea. Also, you know, CW, I was wondering if you would mention Protandin, because I honestly don't know what I'd do without that either. Yeah, the Protandin's been an interesting uh, discovery for us this last year. At uh, uh, Dr. Snarf, I love that young man. <laughs> Dr. Snarf, he's so funny. And he, he brought this uh, to us through Viv Gwynn, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Viv, you get me rocked. To us, and we have Dr. Snarf that was telling us about Protandum. And what I, uh, before I get to Protandum, what I found most interesting about Dr. Snarf, as a medical doctor, and as most do, he rejected looking at this. He goes, you know, I don't, we don't do supplements like that. And, and Viv Gwynn, like the lady she is, like the bulldog she is when it comes to getting people to do something. Latched onto this and kept saying, Dr. Snarf, you got to look at this. And finally he did. And once he wrapped, you know, provided a little attention and wrapped his mind around it, he realized what a great product the Protandin is. Now, from my own personal testimony, uh, I know, I, I, you know, I have diabetes. I've noticed. Yeah. A, a, a leveling effect of my diabetes. Now, i, I got to tell you, I don't follow the instructions <laughs> as it says on the bottle. Just take one a day. Uh, I was taking two a day, and I've I'm, I'm, got to be honest, I'm taking three a day right now. Are you really? 
taking three a day because uh, my energy level's been low, and I notice when I pop an extra one, and it's it's it, you don't get a feeling or anything. It's not like no, taking a. What happens is you just notice that at three o'clock you're not hitting a brick wall. You notice that you have more energy at the end of the day. So if if we're working nine to five and at five o'clock we're going home, we want to relax a little bit. We find that we don't have to sit down right away to relax. We have a little oh. more energy. And, you just and reminded me of something, okay? You're reminding me. I went to the Cirque du Soleil last week. Did I tell you? No. Did oh, you yeah. In Santa Monica, it was the the last performance of the Cirque du Soleil. It was on Sunday, and I went, I had they had like nine tickets left, and I got one of them for Saturday night. It was an incredible experience. But when I went to go to the Cirque du Soleil, CW, I couldn't find a parking place, and they had blocked off the parking lot somehow to the beach, and I couldn't figure out how to get in down there, so I ended up parking like three or four blocks away, and I can be a lousy one, a, a lazy person from time to time, and I actually wasn't that night. I wanted to go to the Cirque so bad I parked four blocks away, ran over to the pier, had to go down a big steep ramp, down under the sand, down across it, and I made it with about five minutes to spare. I had no idea. I'd left an hour early, and I'm glad I did. But what amazed me the most was, A, the energy that I had. So then after I got down there, and I thought, oh, my God, because I I just I'm, I'm acting my age sometimes, and I just think that certain things are, like, too far away. And the Santa Monica Pier, have you ever been on the Santa Monica Pier? Oh, yeah. Like a you know how ball. steep it is going back up? Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, so I'm... At the tents, I'd come out and search the lay, of course, was amazing. It was ovo. It was a bunch of bugs. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm going to take the whole family to Las Vegas when we get funded, and we're going to see all of the, the shows. But after the show was over, what amazed me was, first of all, I hadn't covered this much kind of distance in a long time. But secondly, I went up that hill like there were wings on my feet. And I was like, huh. That's awesome. And it's you know like those moments. It's not like you get a rush all the time or anything like that. It's those moments when you know that something was hard and for some reason it isn't hard anymore. That's awesome. And do you know what pro- what makes pro tandem work? No, and you know they always ask me what's in it and I don't remember. Do you remember what's in it? Well, five main ingredients, and I don't remember all the ingredients, but uh, uh, one of them is the, uh, I think it's called ashwanda. That, that comes from Africa. It's an African herb. But what makes it work is that the, these five ingredients that have a synergistic effect, and it becomes a super potent antioxidant that that uh, reduces or eliminates the oxidative stress in your body. And by reducing oxidative stress, it allows your body to be more like a human body without the pressure of the stress that that that's on it. And oxidative when you say stress, oxidative stress, uh-huh. what, is that something that's happening with the cells or something, or what is actually is oxidative that's stress? Right. Is that it, well, like it, we had a heck of a week, okay? Yeah, it works on the cellular. I think that's one of the. Re- I just started the three this week, er, earlier this week. Do you notice the difference between two and three? I do. I I do. But and the oxidative stress is it's mainly an imbalance uh, between the production of like uh, uh, reactive oxygen and uh, your biological system's ability 
to readily detoxify. And so when what happens when your body is out of whack, it doesn't detoxify correctly, and that's caused from uh, that could be caused from stress, it could uh, be caused from a disorder, it could be caused from an illness. But and it's the rotator that helps pull that back in line, like a chiropractor straightens your back out. Huh. Rotator pull your body back in line by reducing or eliminating that oxidative stress, making sure your cells have the right amount of oxygen so it can do its job. See, it's not really the protandum that does the job. It's just like Jason Winter's tea. Jason Winter's tea does something that allows your body to heal itself or take care of itself. This is what protandum does. It, it allows the cells in your body to do its job. By kind providing. of like maximum performance, huh? Exactly. It's amazing you stuff. You know, Mike does it. Mike does protandin. Are you there, Mike? Sometimes he actually has to do other things. Mr. Yeah, you Mike? know, stuff, Mike has to take uh, <laughs> on many jobs there. <laughs> right. He's only got eight hands. No, I I, uh, I heard you guys. I was just fixing the computer. Uh, yeah, protandin, excellent. But what did you notice? Well, I noticed just like what you did, you know, when I take it and then when I walk, my knees used to hurt, but my knees don't hurt as much and I can, uh, I'm more flexible. My joints aren't stiff and uh, and it really gives me a lot more energy. Wow. Well, you can see why we like this stuff and you can see why we talk about protandin and we can you can see why we talk about some of the values we do because what we stand for, and you know Cumulus Radio stands for this, Mike Vitale stands for this, Val Kirkgaard stands for this, C.W. Wright and stands for this, and our listeners stand for this. And what we stand for is the possibility of a better life and of improving our lives. And there's been yeah, there's so much erosion. What? The combination I just wanted to say that we get eroded, okay? Our, our complicated society, I think things are much more complicated. Okay, so we get eroded by having to deal with the complications. I mean, wouldn't you have just rather been panning for gold or something this week than going through what you went through? Yes. It would have been simpler, wouldn't it? You either oh, would have yeah. found the gold or you wouldn't or something. It would have been simple. But we don't live simple lives anymore, and I think that that's part of what the yearning is as well, is for that strength and simplicity. And when you have somebody like me around that remembers what it was like, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a living historian of the simplification of life. I worked with straight arrow ingenuities that came in my Nabisco shredded wheat box. I was down by the river. I was building coolers for... Uh, storing fish in that I caught. I build myself a straight arrow camp. And by the way, if you want to take a look at these ingenuities, they were in Nabisco shredded wheat boxes. You can Google them on the Internet as straight arrow ingenuities, and you'll be quite charmed with what we used to um, train ourselves with as kids. We've got campfire girls. Um, I don't know. You grew up in a farming area, CW. Did did you have the 4-H? I didn't do the 4-H because I was busy too busy actually living it all the time. So I didn't do 4-H, but I did I was do doing it. Head, hearts, hands, and health. That was our creed. That's head, heart, hands, and health. That's what the well, 4-H stood for. Right. In fact, we had uh, uh, I had a lot of schoolmates who were in 4-H that would come out to the farm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, 4-H just wasn't for farm kids. A lot of the city kids joined 4-H, too. And they would come out to the farm, and they would, uh, they may want to come out and 
and see how the uh, how pigs are born. So we come out and because we had a fair in barn. Then there was there was one time we uh, we had a uh, uh, it was calving season. We kind of timed it when we thought a, one of the uh, uh, cows was going to be birthing, and sure enough, they got there and they helped. They watched me, you know, pull a cow. Pull a cow. Oh gosh, that's terrific. Oh yeah. That's, How did that, that feel? Just, well, it, it's almost like you feel like you're you're you know you're you're a mother because. Uh, when those legs start you coming knew out, something special about you. <laughs> you, you actually just—I knew you were a mother. <laughs> you, you don't pull them hard, but you help it along. Now, and you have to—you have to watch out. Uh, uh, for example, if it comes head first, you might have some problems. But when it comes feet feet first, uh, it, 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 it's pretty good with, with a cow. You, you, Why if they come head first? I would think they would breathe easier. Well, it—I don't know. It's a little bit different with an animal. Huh? With with a, with a cow. I, well, I how many know. did you birth, or how many did you help? Oh, I, over when I was a teenager, I, yeah. I didn't do that. Maybe, maybe a dozen. When That's I was a still a process. It's a really very precious thing yeah. to be assisting life into the onto Earth. That very, I find that very touching. We had a difficult one once where uh, the, the the cow was really laboring. So what we did, we actually tied a rope around the legs of the calf and hooked the come along to to the back of a pickup and actually pulled out. <laughs> kind of way. feels like starting the republic, doesn't it? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> hook it up to a come along and hook it up to a fence post. <laughs> and that's what it takes to put to, to re-inhabit a republic, folks. Boy, do we go through it sometimes. When you take a whole nation full of people that are used to having other people order them around and tax them and step on them and guide them and direct them and all this kind of stuff, and then you give them the opportunity to re-inhabit the Bill of Rights of the Constitution, you get some very interesting births. And that's what's going on here. But I think one of the things we want you to know today is the Republic of the United States of America is absolutely happening, and it's happening in a strong and wonderful way. And uh, we're funded, and uh, we've put in our budgets, and our Senate and our House has approved our budgets. And what CW has described to you is so perfect. I had no idea that was your background. Now I know why you make such a good vice president in the Republic. Because I help a cow give birth? You know how to give help birth to happen and what we're doing is any of you who haven't read ben franklin's um, life story by um isaacson pick it up and read it because that life story of benjamin franklin is actually happening in this country at this time with astounding men and women standing up and taking charge and saying all that stuff we've been talking about in the first half of the show we got some values here we're returning to the values we have a nation under god we have people that are learning how to express their respect for each other. We are straightening out messes that we had thrown in our laps over 100 years ago, and we are doing it, folks, and we are happening in all the states. So how about that? You know, I we don't talk that much about the republic. We were actually on this show. We actually try to, like, live the life of the republic. But on this show, I'm actually a peace ambassador for the republic. And C.W., he does a call, actually, on a constitutional study call on Sunday evening, C.W. Wright, 6 p.m. Pacific. 
you want to listen in on that call, you can actually find out what we're about. You could actually, like, OMG, read the Constitution of the United States of America. That call at 6 p.m. is on conference line 424-203-8000. Once again, 424-803-8000. And the code number that you put in is 819054. Once again, 819054. And in case, in case all this zipped by you, you can go over to republicfortheunitedstates.org, check out and see what it's all about. And there's calls on there. There's prayer calls. You like praying? It's a nice thing to pray. And by the way, when Jesus said the word pray, he actually meant when, in, if you quote the Aramaic by um, Rocco or Rico, you will find out that what pray means is actually to go out and t- claim that which is yours in the universe. So Jesus not only was talking about uh, eternal life and things of that nature, he was also saying you're a king or a queen in your own right, and you can go out and you can claim that right. And that's what we talk about in the Republic. We talk about our sovereignty. And our sovereignty has been eroded, and you and I have been touching on those things from time to time, CW. And it's just like, I'm so proud to be in the Republic. I just can't tell you. A picture of Tim just flashed by on my computer screen. You and Tim and Carol and myself at the barbecue. All right. You know, you might want to comment on that. On on what a little bit about President Turner? Uh, he's a great man. He's under a lot of stress, like uh, uh, most of us are, but even on a greater scale, because it's his job to uh, uh, enforce the laws. Or uh, an executive branch is the head leader that uh, enforces the laws of the great nation, and he's also in charge of uh, uh, demonstrating good leadership. He's also in charge of putting it all together, uh, all together for it. He's in charge of uh, working with uh, those friends on an international level to help bring this country back as well as domestically. So he has a tremendous amount of burden that he takes freely, and he enjoys every uh, moment of it. I, I know it wears on his health sometimes, but I also know he's doing it for the country. He wants people to to uh, not have to live in the tyranny of financial slavery. He wants people not to have to live in the tyranny of of, uh, of uh, uh, unlawful presentments that binds us. He wants people to be uh, free, have freedom. He wants people to have liberty. He wants people to be able to do this and live in peace without controversy. And that, uh, if I could, I hate to say say with that, he, he, we hope that that trickles down to everybody. We believe everybody else wants that, too. So it's a, almost a trickle-down effect. And uh, uh, probably a better word is we want to educate people what their rights are. Because once <laughs> you know your rights, you will feel the same way. I'm smiling because, you know, I haven't been using the computer, so I'm watching. And who just floated by on the screen? <laughs> Mr. Ed Asner. Oh, you know, and I'm thinking about that's an American. I don't know whether he did service or not, but how I actually originally met him was through the 9/11 Truth Movement. Okay, down at the church in downtown Los Angeles, and Ed Asner is just one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my life. That guy in his 70s, and by the way, it was it was painful to watch him because he had knee problems, hip problems, heart problems, all kinds of stuff. 
and I would go to these events, CW, and he'd just be he'd he'd shuffle in, and then he'd give them hell, <laughs> and then he'd keep moving. Mr. And he went all over the country backing up candidates and things like that for for peace, you know. He did. He he did serve in the military. I believe he was in the uh, Army uh, uh, Summa Corps back in the early fifties. Really? Yeah, just for a couple of years, but yeah, he did his, he did his time. That was great. So Ed Asner, I thank you. I think you know what what just came up when I thought of Asner was Bob Dumas. And, you know, that's one that still rots my socks because Bob Dumas' brother has been a, a Korean War war prisoner since the 1950s, and I we believe him to still be alive. And the United States doesn't get him back. They don't, they don't negotiate with terrorists. In fact, they don't even negotiate when the country tries to give him back, which they've tried to do, you know? Right. We, we've got to get in here and and get things different. Bob, I'd like to see Bob Dumas reunited with his brother before he dies. The guy's been working like seven. I understand the slaves in North Korea work like six or seven days a week, twelve hours a day, and he has been since the 1950s. Yeah, that, that, that for me that's uh, extremely atrocious and abominable. I, I don't know how we've allowed this to happen and why we don't. We don't do something to get these people out. Now, if if the other side is thinking they're punishing one person for the sins of, of America, oh, no. what, they try to give them back. They, this is the well, really they, outrageous they, thing about it: is the North Koreans have tried to return this guy, and uh, our country won't accept them because of something. Uh, well, okay, let me just skip to that. Do you know why the uh, uh, what happened there? Do you know why the country? Uh, this country could not comply? I t- suppose it was the, the remark I made about not negotiating with terrorists or something like that. Second, North Korea says, release our people, we, re- we will release your people. Well, here's a sad fact. We had already released them, and the people, he- the pe- North Koreans that were here did not want to go home. <laughs> To release. I can get that. I can totally get that. But there's actually still, uh, here's what you don't know, I don't think. There's actually, we still have some of their prisoners, okay? There there used to be thousands of them. I think we're, it's down to under 200 at this point, last time I checked. Of course, they're getting pretty old now, so a few of them have gone. But we're actually holding their prisoners. And we're not talking about citizens, CW. They're actually, supposedly, according to Bob Dumas, there are um there are Korean soldiers that are still in service somewhere in our world. If we have if holding hostage or our prisoners Korean soldiers and Korea is holding American soldiers, I find this idiotic. It is idiotic. And there, that, this is just one of the idiotic things we can actually see, you know. I mean, set aside America and North Korea. Set that aside a second. They're still human beings. And why should these human beings who who went to fight for the country now pay as they have for probably fifty years or longer for this for the attitude of politicians or personal or people that are looking for personal gain or who got their egos bruised? Are you kidding me? They're human beings. They're not dangerous human beings. If they were dangerous, no, they would have done 
a long time ago. They would totally need protandin at this point. They would <laughs> totally need a cup of Jason Winter tea, and they would totally need somebody to kiss them on the cheek and say it's all over. But I don't know if it's going to be over for them until they go, like move into a new life or something of that nature. And by that I mean reincarnation, if there is reincarnation or whatever, because I don't see the way out of hell for these guys. We, I personally have been talking about this situation for over four years now. I've never been able to get a thing to move on it. A lot of people are, get upset about it when they hear it. But I've never heard anybody be able to do anything about it. How do we handle that kind of um, impotency in our lives? Because that, I feel impotent on this particular subject. I can rant about it, but will anything actually make a difference? I don't know. I'm not so sure either, but one thing is clear. There's a much higher power, a much higher group of people, elite group of people that sit at the top somewhere. They're unknown. Many are unknown to us. And they're the ones pulling the strings. They're the ones that direct the wars. Uh, heads of state, presidents, personally, I think many of them are just puppets, including ours. Here in America. <laughs> I have zero doubt that we are run by puppets. And because I, I believe a true leader would stand up at no matter the consequences and tell it like it is, tell the truth, and and get on get busy educating people, the public, who are unknowing of the republic or the nation. I'll give you a good a good example. This week president got on TV and once again gave the same rhetoric every other president gave regarding oil and energy in this country. The reasons why we don't, we can't drill. The reasons why uh, we're talking about gas prices at this point. We're, the reason why Americans cannot use their own oil. And turns around and lies and says that our oil reserves is only like 1% or 2% uh, of the world. It's not true. It is not That's true. Not, we got more oil than Saudi Arabia. And and, people, uh, but here's the outrageous thing. We have hydrogen. We BMW has had a hydrogen fleet since 1978. We don't even need the darn gasoline. You don't, you're right. You do, there are alternative energy methods to propel machinery, even vehicles. And where we run Try water, try air. Yeah. This is just such un do you think they hear us chirping over here in the corner at all, you know? <laughs> you know, as nice as vehicles are, they're still outdated. They're ran by the same engine, a combustible engine, that when the vehicle was first created hundred and fifty years ago. 140 years ago. <laughs> there you go. Do you have you well, ever heard of a Wonkel engine? Have you? Yeah. Okay. Did, what do you know of a Wonkel engine? Uh, a very very little. I just I've heard the name. Well, I studied when I was at UCLA in the in the 1960s. Yeah, I guess so. In the 1960s. Uh, one of the in one of my classes, up comes this conversation about a Wonkel engine, which I believe was originally from Japan or something of that nature, and it was a it it had a cylinder in it and it ran a, it had like three or four moving parts instead of all the pistons and 
and oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, uh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking like the Mazda engines. Yeah, well, that the... Mazda took it over, okay? Do you know yeah, why yeah, they yeah. got rid of it? No. <laughs> they got rid of it because there weren't any repair bills. I'm not surprised. The way the Wankel engine was designed, it was originally designed for motorcycles, by the way, and then Mazda adapted it. The 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 um re, the the repair things and the different car agencies didn't have any business. The engine only had like three moving parts, had a spark plug, something else, and it turned around a cylinder in the center or something, and it got good mileage and everything, but it had no repairs. And that's why they got rid of the Wankel engine. Just kind of like the difference between um, what VHS and Beta. Beta was the much better right. choice. Well, okay, but you don't ever hear about Beta. You hear you heard about VHS tapes. That was because that was more profitable. Beta was a exactly. better tape. And, and suppressing technology or suppressing advancement of, of of a better lifestyle in the name of economics, I also find atrocious because. Where there's a void, economics, commerce will find a way to provide the economics. That's the beauty about commerce. That's that's one of the beauties about co- capitalism. If it's handled properly, you get the ego out of the way, you get the greed <laughs> out of the way. Well, right there, you're going to have to have a whole session on how does one get the ego out of the way. That's why a third world country and other countries, communist countries, they don't like capitalism. Uh, because of, of that greed, but you know we also see uh, major countries throughout the world who are now more and more into commerce, uh, like China. Uh, <laughs> Don't even get me going on China. Russia is, is developing their commerce, so not only they are going to be taking care of their people, or they take care of their people domestically. But well, they're, they're not they're taking, taking care of their people. They've got people committing suicide off their plants. Do you know about that? I do know about that, but when I say take care, I'm taking care in, in the fashion that they're comfortable with. I certainly would be comfortable with that, knowing based on what you're, you're about ready to talk about. Uh, now, I know we have suicides in this country, too, but, I mean, they have a church. We don't work- have workers lining up on the top of our buildings, jumping off to make a point to the government. The same thing that was going on with the prisoners in um, from the from the Korean War, okay, has been going on with workers that are put, they're, they're actually, they're supposed to work in the factories, they're supposed to be in these little cubicles, and they're supposed to work six or seven days a week, and they, um, for that they get some minimal pay, and they have children working and stuff like that, and we buy all of their crap because it's so inexpensive. It's not inexpensive, there's human lives intertwined in there. And it's just like, boy, we have to like start putting the brakes on somewhere, CW. We do, uh, but, but one of the problems that exists is we as Americans and, and people like us, we get comfortable in our lifestyle. We like that we only uh, 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 pay a small amount for certain items because they're made inexpensively. And we tend to forget the reason why they are so inexpensive. And we, uh, by the same token, we don't remember how things get get expensive. So there's another another side of that as well. But then there's your Walmart mattress, okay? The one that has a two-week warranty on it now? Yeah. Good oh, God! 
about that, didn't I? Yeah, you did, and that wasn't there. I mean, first of all, you made a trip over to Walmart to buy it. You made another trip over to Walmart to take it back, and then you made a trip to the men's room to throw up after they told you that there was um, only a two-week warranty on it. Well, I was a very bad bad person that day because I told them what to do with the, that mattress. And then I turned around and bought another one because I had to have one. You know, how idiot, uh, uh, you know, I was too comfortable. It was right there. Instead of going to another location, I was There's right there. Do. I gave you this okay. now, and I just went and got it. You get paper, okay? And you go to Big Five. Big Five actually has some quality merchandise. You go to Big Five, and um, you wait until they put it on sale, and you'll probably get you'll get a much better quality mattress, and you'll have a choice. It's like we need to start getting smart, folks, and that's the we possibility do. here. Start paying attention to what's going on. Read a few Chinese books. Lisa C is an author that I've. Um, I'm looking at having back on on waking up in America, our American cafe again, because I can't get her to get up as early in the morning as we do, and that's been my lack of success here. But Lisa C. writes stories. One of them is Shanghai Girls, and the other one is Dreams of Joy. And when you read those books and you see what these people have gone through, the staggering life that they live, you will be grateful, and you will appreciate what people go what human beings go through to evolve here on planet earth and hey guys we have something to say about it and you if we start talking about it at home i'm a peace ambassador okay and one of the things that i found out was that peace actually it's a technology and there's a technology that's available for us and we are more complicated that's just the way our lives are i was actually i printed out something yesterday uh <clears throat> And it's what happens in an Internet Minute, CW. Have you seen that thing? What happens in an Internet Minute? Yeah, in a, a single minute in the Internet, 639,000 global, um, they're, they're, they transfer something. 639,000 people in the world transfer or download something, data download, in one minute, every minute of every day. Oh, yeah. 377,000 people log into the Internet at each minute. And it goes on. It's a really interesting thing. If you would like to see it, Ron Hayes, thank you very much for finding this. Send me an email at val at wakingupinamerica.com and say, I want to know what happens in an Internet minute. And I will forward this to you. I don't have time to read all the things that happen, but it's astounding when you get that 377,000 people log in each minute. And 6 million of them give some kind of feedback on something. <laughs> that's amazing. You know? That's totally bloody amazing. So that's going on every minute. So when we say life is more complicated, you you see what we're saying. It's like a engine revving up and, and spinning around. So there's input happening all over the place. Make sure that yours is included. Wouldn't you say that's something like that, CW? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would be at the Republic of the United States dot org would be a great place that would actually be open to your input. And the mission of the people for the Republic of the United States of America is we the people hereby terminate the tyranny of financial slavery and unlawful presentment that binds us and bestow the favors of liberty and republic freedom by way of lawful means and peaceful assembly for all men and women under Almighty God. Peaceful assembly. 
Okay, Too we bad. have the ability to create that, and I invite you to do that. And Mike's counting down in our ear. What's your closing statement here, CW? Want everybody to have a healthy and prosperous day, and it, don't forget next week. We'll see it before next week, but next week is Easter, and enjoy that too. Good grief! It happened fast, didn't it? It did. It did. Make sure that you get your Jason Winter tea. Make sure that you send us the um, request for the book if, and make sure that you include your your address and um, hmm. Make sure that if you contribute <laughs> to Waking Up in America and get some of those Girl Scout t- cookies that go with your tea, we'll pop them off to you. So how much more time do we have, Mike? Uh, we got 70 seconds. We have 70 seconds. OMG. Um, we can congratulate those uh, two or three winning tickets of the uh, $640 million lottery last night. Oh, really? They got it? It won in Maryland. One in Maryland, reported one in Illinois, and there's a report of one in Kansas. Okay, you guys, manage it well. (laughs) God bless you all. Just manage it well. So this program has been brought to you by Kirkgaard Media. Our radio partners, ConeyandCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy in memoriam, DrValerie.com, and Doctors all spelled out. And we thank our producer and sponsor, the booming redhead over here, C.W. Wright of Emergency Management Solutions, Sir Jason Winter T, L.A. Lifestyle, Protandon, a big thank to our team at Voice America, Jess Bernard, Nathan Jett, Brad Comer, and our friends at Cumulus Radio, Michael Kelly and Ron Simon, and Stacy, you rock. Thank you, um, Ron Hayes, for being a great research assistant. Merci beaucoup to Bent Migan for our theme Ten music, seconds. Almost Ordinary People. Next week, invite a friend to listen, and remember... Sitius, Altius, Fortius, and do a mitzvah today. That's French for give someone a boost, and thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. 